Most of us will never get to outer space to take a photograph. But if you know where to go and what to do, you can get pretty close right here on Earth. Join me as we head out of this world on this episode of Behind the Shot. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Behind the Shot. I'm your host, Steve Brazel. Each episode, we try and get inside the mind of a great photographer by taking a closer look at one of their shots. And today we've got a shot that made me think of one thing, and that is outer space. Most of us will not be able to go to outer space to take pictures of things like the Milky Way or planets or stars or whatever it is. But if you know where to go, and if you know what you're doing, you can get pretty close from right here on Earth. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today with my guest, Dana McMullen. Dana, how are you, man? Great, Steve. Thanks for having me on today. Uh, it, it is my pleasure, and I'm going to want you on again sometime because the type of photography we're going to talk about today, I love, but you shoot a lot of different things. You are, first of all, let's start here. You're Canadian born and raised, correct? Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, whereabouts in Canada? Um, in southern Ontario. It's about an hour west of uh, Toronto. See, um, I love Canada. Banff is one of my favorite places to go. Uh, yeah, the West Coast and the East Coast are absolutely amazing. Um, when you grow up in southern Ontario, though, it's pretty flat, a lot of farmland and a little bit boring. So, you know, to get out here to the West Coast and be surrounded by mountains, the ocean, it's very inspiring for a photographer. Yeah, it's funny. I don't think of Canada as being flat. That's I, I guess it is in that in that farmland area. Born, born, and, born and raised Canada. Right. But you mentioned Southern California now. Correct. That's where I'm living now. Been and how long have you been four here? Years. About four, four years. years. Yeah. Okay. So you are, you're a photographer, but you're more than a photographer. So as, as I describe you to people, I say you're a nature, landscape, and cityscape photographer. Does that kind of sum up your photography approach and career? Um, it would. Um, I shoot just about anything and everything. Um, but over the last few years, I've really chased all those iconic landscape images that, you know, flood the internet and really inspire photographers to go and get. Yeah. So that, that is my love for sure. Well, and when I look through your 500 pics profile, you, you're, yeah, you're getting there. I mean, you're getting those iconic, amazing landscapes, cityscape. You've got a lot of wide variety in there of the type of shots that you do. And what I find fascinating is, I talked to you about this, I think, once before when we were talking. Um, you are by trade. I mean, your job is not a professional photographer per se. Uh, you're a creative director and a graphic designer. And when I look at your photography, when I browse through your your Facebook or your, your 500 pics, and I'm going to get you on Instagram one of these days, um, what I see is the graphic design creative director type influences in the composition of your photography. I don't know if you see that or not or... Um, I don't see it, um, but I guess it's 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 an automatic that you would uh, because I studied graphic design in college and that was my major and I minored in in photography. So I've been doing it since, you know, 89, 90, um, started in the dark room like everyone else did back then and then gradually, you know, moved into the digital world. So well, and I, in the digital world, you do I say you're not a professional photographer by trade, but you have photographic clients that are way bigger than any of mine. Uh, Bloomingdale's, 
Volkswagen, Office Max, Zantera Parks and Resorts for your landscape stuff. Right. Um, but the one that struck me in your resume is something I, I literally know people who dream of being published on natgeo.com. Yes, it was a dream of mine, too. So when it happened, uh, it was pretty unbelievable. I mean, seriously, is that one of those days you walk around <laughs> patting yourself on the back the whole day? Honey, I'm on Nat Geo. <laughs> yeah, and you post it on Facebook. You hope you get a whole bunch of likes and all of that. Um, yeah, it was it was a it was a crazy, crazy experience for me. Um, I set up my profile and was accepted by Nat Geo to be a contributor um, back earlier in, in the year. And I loaded up some of my favorite shots um, on the Nat Geo graphic profile page that they have for me. And, um, you know, I'm there amongst 65 million other um, photographs. I'm not quite sure how many photographers are on there, but a lot. And um, the one day sitting on my couch doing my morning routine of my cup of coffee and my KTLA um, and also sitting on my iPhone going through Facebook, there my images is part of, of is part of National Geographic's Daily Dozen. I'm like, what is this all about? And um, so when I got back up to my, my computer terminal, I looked it up to see what was going on, and there I was, part of the editor's daily dozen. They sift through all of these images, and they pull out 12 of uh, their favorite shots, and the world votes on on which one should win. So I ended up being fourth place that day. Out of how and many I, pictures do they look through? I'm not sure how many they look through daily, but on the site, there's a counter, and it shows like 65 million um, images within wow. the contributor's pages profile pages on nat geo um so i was pretty stoked about that and then about two months later um going through the same routine and there my images as photo of the day right on the front page of nat geo and i was just absolutely shocked and yeah pretty high when you have those days as a photographer that are that high everything else seems pretty low <laughs> It could be pretty depressing because yeah, not yeah. much compares to that. Well, that's a, um, so, that's yeah, a pinnacle. I was, I was honored. But there's a it reason is, yeah. Nat Geo did that for you, which kind of brings us to the shot that we're going to talk about. I mentioned the outer space thing and all of that. Right. The shot that we're talking about today is, where was this shot? It was Joshua Tree National Park, um, just down out here in Southern California, about an hour and 15 minutes from my house. Okay, so this shot, what do you call it? Um, I, I call that one, um, out of this world, I believe this shot is absolutely amazing to me. <laughs> when I look at this shot, the thing, the first thing that strikes me is I feel like I can walk into it. There is a three dimensional effect that you got on the rocks, on the sky the amazing color of the Milky Way. I have never shot the Milky Way before. So first of all, you're a Nikon shooter. What body was this shot with? Uh, that one was shot with a 610. And what lens? Um, a 15 mil, 2.8. 15 fixed focal length? Uh, fixed focal length, yes. 15 mil, 2.8. What's the rest of the exposure on this? Um, it's 2.8 at 30 seconds um, with my ISO set at 3200. 3200 ISO. Now, yes. I'm assuming you set white balance in post or is this I, as, out of the camera? 
Um, that is pretty much out of the camera other than some saturation, a little bit of contrast. Um, and then I also ran it through uh, Nick software just to add a little detail extraction to the rock and to the stars. So, so out of color effects pro. So that, that yeah. brings up a, a thought to me when, when you're talking depth of field and you think 2.8, you think shallow depth of field, but as we both know at 15 millimeter, that changes the game completely. Right. I mean, uh, a, a 15 millimeter does not have the same compression or depth of field effect that you get from a, from a zoom, but still right. it's 15 millimeter at 2.8. So why right. is this tack sharp nose to tail? Um, because there is a little bit of trickery going on. Um, first of all, I'll explain this shot. Um, went out there under the assumption it was a new moon. I keep a little lunar cycle map um, calendar on my desktop and I check it every once in a while and see if it matches up, the new moon matches up to my work schedule. And if I don't have a lot of work going on and it's a new moon, I pack up my gear and out I go. Or I travel client, or I, sorry, I book travel client, client travel around um, some of my, my new moon cycles, especially for Zantara parks and resorts. If I know I'm going to Yellowstone, Grand Canyon, or wherever to shoot for them, I try to um, build that schedule around a new moon so I can get night sky. That's how I've always shot night sky. Um, this was a fluke. I ended up getting out there. My wife and I packed up, you know, the FJ and headed out there. Um, the sun went down and there was a crescent moon hanging over the horizon. And it almost looked like, like with visually to your eyes, it almost looked like the sun was still kind of setting the way it was casting light and shadows on the rock. And I, I thought, you know what? I thought the image was ruined because if I do want a light rock like this and get some um, rock in the foreground or a cactus or a tree, I'll always, you know, add a little bit of artificial light and light paint it. I've done everything from taking my remote flash and my wife will actually trigger it from 50 feet to my right or to my left to get something to light up. I've used the headlights of my truck. I've used flashlights. I've, you know, I've used all kinds of different light sources. But this was all coming from the moon. And in all the that bright light on the rocks on the upper yeah. right is the moon. Those hot spots are from the moon. Um, there's a series of photographs that go with this one. And um, yeah, and the actual one, this is a different one than actually what Nat Geo picked. But this is my, my favorite shot. And um, it, it was crazy how much light that full frame sensor was picking up in my Nikon. Um, I, I was, I, I was shocked. So in order to get this shot, it was giving me so much light and so much detail on the rock. Um, and I was giving me great light and great color with the Milky Way. Once I established my Milky Way shot that I got it, um, I was, you know, focused properly on it because that that is the trick you really are kind of shooting in the dark when you shoot the milky way you don't so you see can't it. see this with your eye you cannot see that with your eye you only see um this path of milky um 
stars, you know, there's this cloud, it looks like a cloud hanging across the sky. And when I first started shooting uh, night sky, you know, people that were following me on Facebook, friends, family, they're all saying, Oh, come on, like, how much Photoshop is involved in getting that kind of color and that kind of detail out of the Milky Way, because I've never seen it is what they've said to me. And I said, well, I got to what, what I started doing was on Facebook, after I would shoot, maybe even after I got the shot or coming home, I would take a shot of the LCD screen on the back of my camera with my iPhone and post it saying, okay, here it is. It's still in the camera. Still in the it camera, is, yeah. It has not been touched at all. And this is what it looks like. And they were blown away. And we were traveling to Costa Rica this past summer with some uh, family that are from uh, Rhode Island. And we were in Costa Rica and she's a big fan of my photography. And she said... Oh, come on. You got to show me because here it is the Milky Way on a dark night. Show me how you get the shot. So I took the shot and I think I did send that shot to the palm tree with the Milky Way. Oh, yeah. I saw that one. And I said, here it is. And I was able to show her the back of the camera. She goes, oh, my God. Like, I need to get one of these cameras (laughs) because she wanted to see Milky Way like that. That is the craziest Milky Way I've ever seen. I've never had blue orbs show up in a photograph like that one that maybe you can share with on on this page um yeah that was a crazy milky way but getting back to that shot um once i established my stars were in 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 focus i pulled back and i focused on the rock um so what i did i ended up building the two image i built this one image out of two images i wanted the rock in detail because the rocks that were closest to me were slightly uh they were out of focus because 2.8 you're and you're trying to shoot (laughs) the sky which is i don't know how many you know miles away the milky way away from you the depth of field you're going to get you know um something's going to be out of focus it's either going to be the stars or it's going to be the rock so i ended up combining both images and i only had to do is um i stacked both images and i just erased the top which gave me the bottom layer of the rock in focus and the rest of it is pretty well how you see it like i said i did use nick software to pull a little bit of the detail out the detail extractor is is a beautiful tool for landscape photographers for sure i think that's what's given this 3d effect is the rocks look so real and the sky looks so amazingly inviting and real it's all real steve (laughs) <laughs> thanks i thought it was yeah i thought it was a star trek movie yeah. um the 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 color that you have in this so really other than a little bit of nick everything else in photoshop you're not a you're not a lightroom user i understand no i'm not a lightroom user um which i'm gonna change someday uh <laughs> but this shot is especially realizing that you don't see really what you're capturing here and yet it can be captured in camera I find fascinating, and and you said this was 3200 ISO, 30 seconds, f2.8, 15 millimeter. Exact right. same exposure for both shots, the rock and the sky? Exact same exposure. Wow. Yeah. I find that just amazing. I, I'd love to shoot this at some point. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we could uh, replicate it, but I would sure like to try. Um, I've tried replicating this shot out on, uh, you know, on new moon nights and with artificial light as well. And I, I can't get it. I so it's, it's literally it. this, you were in the right spot. 
at right the right place, time. Right time. Yeah, it was actually disappointing. Like I was actually disappointed with the evening, the way it was setting up. Um, because with this moon, I'm like, this can't happen to me. You know, here I am. I don't want any moon at all. And the, the light I ended up getting from that sliver of moon was unbelievable. So and when, when you're a photographer that can shoot stuff like this, what's left? Oh, everything's left. Everything's left. Um, you know, I travel a lot. The national parks totally inspire me, and I'm lucky to have Zantara Parks and Resorts as a client of mine. They get me out there several times a year to shoot. Um, so I, I need to do everything again. You know, because every time you're out there, everything changes. But there's got to you know, be a one one. There's got to be one yeah. singular bucket list item that you want. Yeah, Iceland. Iceland's it. Um, I'm, I'm really don't know how I want to do it. Do I want to do it alone for 10 days? You know, do I want to have my best friend and my wife with me or do I want to do it with another shooter? I don't know. I just know I got to get there and I got to experience it. Cause I think that is the ultimate. I think it's, you know, I follow, you know, thanks for having me on the show, but yeah, I follow all great photographers all day long on Facebook and other social media. And I'm just blown away and I'm inspired every day. And it's really humbling when you see what's out there and you see these photographers in Iceland shooting and other Nat Geo photographers all over the world and what they're shooting. It's like, wow, that's crazy. A friend of mine actually does a workshop uh, traveling to Iceland, uh, Rick Salmon. A Canon Explorer of Light, and he's, I think he's in at Antarctica now, but he does an Iceland one on a regular basis as well. And it's it's one of those things I would like to shoot as well, but I'm not really a landscape photographer like you. I don't have any of the chops that you've got. If, um, if people want to find more about Dana McMullen, they want to go look up some of these amazing shots, because trust me, I'm just telling you right now, this shot is amazing. Wait until you look through his 500 pics profile. So where can people find you? Um, first of all, if you Google my name and you attach image room to it, um, that is kind of how I've branded myself from back in 2007. I attached uh, Dana McMullen's image room to all of my photography. So if you Google that, um, most of the time, you know, 500 pics will come up, Viewbug, Facebook will come up. Uh, under Nat Geo, I am just Dana McMullen. Um, I'm not set up as a business. I'm just set up as, as, a, as a shooter for them and a contributor for them. But if you Google my name, uh, most of the times all that stuff will show up. I like 500px. It's a lot of uh, your images upload in high res, unlike Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, the compression it, on the Facebook compression is what kills me. It, it, <laughs> it's part of the reason I don't post a lot to, to right. Facebook is because I take all this time to do my post-production and then I upload it and go, oh, man, yeah. that looks yeah. horrible. I yeah. should have sharpened it more or something to compensate. And, and fighting that game isn't fun. But you upload them to 500 picks and all you get is high quality images there. I love 500 right. PX. Um, yeah. All of your links will be in the post at thisweekinphoto.com that goes along with this episode. So we'll put all of those there so people can find them there. Head to thisweekinphoto.com. Find the link under our shows for Behind the Shot. And you'll find all the uh, Dana McMullen links there. But Dana, thank you very, very much for joining me today. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me, Stephen. We'll get you out there and we'll get you that shot. That'd be fun. I'd love to go shooting with you out of Joshua well, Tree. We're, I mean, you live near me. We're both not far away. <laughs> and I've also got to get you on Instagram and get everybody following you on Instagram. Yes. Too. And you get me shooting Metallica. 
How's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get me shooting Metallica because <laughs> we met at a Queensryche show. So that would be awesome if we were both in a pit at a Metallica show. That would be pretty cool. Dana, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, and to everybody, thank you for, for watching. You want to know more about Dana McMullen? Check out the post at thisweekinphoto.com. Until then, I am Steve Brazel, the host of the Behind the Shot podcast. Join me next time as we try and get inside the mind of a great photographer by taking a closer look behind the shot. Mm-hmm. 